You ever felt you're being watched sometimes? Have you ever had a cold shiver run down your spine? Sometimes we go through that. Sometimes we look for answers to questions we don't really truly understand. Like, are we truly alone in the universe? Is there life after death? This world is weird. It gets weirder by the day. And in that weird are questions that we have as curious beings known as humans. Tonight, we look into some of those questions and get a little weird. Cause we all are just a tad bit weird. Tonight on Weekend Weird. Welcome to Weekend Weird, the show about the weird and mundane out in this world and across this universe. I'm your host, producer, guy on the mic. <sighs> God, what a hell of a life. All right, Nick. Uh... And I'm joined by my usual co-host. I know it's not going to turn into a shit show. <laughs> it's guess who's back. It's Ogul. Hello. Hey. How you been, man? Good. Glad to be uh, doing one of these again. Yeah. Yeah. Glad to have you on. At least I know this one won't turn into an absolute shit show like the last one. <laughs> oh, man. What was the last one? I don't even remember. Oh, I uh, did it with uh, my friend Maddie and uh, uh, Mariah. It was... Um, the the fuck, I can't even think of it right now. <laughs> Got it. I thought you meant uh, the one that we did together. No, no, no. That one was totally fine. The one I did one, just last one. It was the uh, McMartin uh, preschool uh, scandal. Okay. Yeah, that was turned into a gigantic crap show. <laughs> Something okay. important, but it happens. Hey, this is not professional. <laughs> this is a, a uh, semi-professional podcast. <laughs> oh, man. Well, this episode will be still serious, more true crime, even though it's been done by other podcasters and documentaries made about them. I like to put in my two cents about this case. It's the case of uh, Ken Rex McAvoy of Skidmore, Missouri, who was known as the town bully. And um, his murder became one of the great unsolved mysteries of the last century. Let's uh, make sure we're pronouncing this guy's name correctly. Um, it's McElroy, not McAvoy, right? Cause no, I, I was told his, his last name was pronounced uh, McElroy. McElroy? Yeah. McElroy? Yeah, McElroy. Because when you said McAvoy, I think of... James no, I, McAvoy. No, no, McElroy. McElroy. Yeah. MC. MC Elroy. <laughs> Sorry. Yes, I'm saying McElroy. That's how I was told it was pronounced. Okay, got it. Okay. 
Yes. So tell us about tell us about MC Elroy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, Bailey pronounced as a town bully for most of the people who were around uh, Skidmore, Missouri, in the uh, very early eighties, late seventies. Uh, committed crime, dozens of felonies, including assault, child molestation, statutory rape, arson, hogging, cattle wrestling, and burglary. Hold up, what? Hog wrestling? Rustling. Rustling? Yes. What is that? The stealing, stealing of uh, stealing of animals that is not yours. Wrestling. Rustling. Yeah, rustling. Interesting. Okay. No, he's not wrestling. I was like, <laughs> I was like, okay, what, is that really a crime? Or? He's not putting, a, he's not putting a, a pig in a headlock going, I'm going to poke you. It's just like, is that like, a... I'm, I'm going to beat you in Hogamania. It's like weird, but is it really? <laughs> uh, Weird, yes. Uh, yeah, yeah rest, wrestling... Of cat, of cattle. I don't think it's illegal, but you could possibly get hurt. Um, but rustling, yes. Okay, got it. So, uh, Kid Max McElroy was indicted 21 times, but each time escaped conviction. Except for the last one. But still, he was not sentenced to jail because of his lawyer. And finally, the town had had enough and decided we we're going to take justice into our own hands. And because of that, certain people that's left in this town that's been there for years think that the town is sort of cursed. So we're going to talk about Mr. Mac Elroy, um, his life, the crimes he committed in that fateful day when uh, the town had decided to have enough. And we'll talk about what had happened after this um, street justice had happened. Okay. So, yes. Yes. It's a very interesting case. It's been covered by other podcasts and other documentaries. Uh, but I figured, again, I want to put in my two cents because I, when I first heard the story, I was like, what? <laughs> and uh, like I had to look at this a little bit further. Okay. So, well, let's do it. Yeah. Let's uh, get weird on Weekend Weird. All right. So, Ken Rex... McElroy was born in 1934 to some kittens, though. <laughs> uh, the 15th of 16 children born a poor migrant tenant farming couple, Tony and Mabel McElroy, who had moved between Kansas and the Ozarks before selling outside of Skidmore. He dropped out of school at the age of 15 in eighth grade. Okay. And quickly established a local reputation as a raccoon hunter, cattle rustler, small-time thief, and womanizer. For more than two decades, McElroy was suspected to be involved in the theft of grain, gasoline, alcohol, antiques, and livestock, but avoided conviction when charges were brought against him 21 times often after witnesses refused to testify because he allegedly intimidated them, frequently by following his targets or parking outside of their home and watching them. He was represented by defense attorney Richard McFadden of Gaslin, Missouri. Now, let me ask you a question. You 
reported, you witness a crime, you report it. How would you feel if the person you reported a crime has been standing outside your house trying to intimidate you? Um, I'd be pretty terrified. Yeah. That was what the town was going through. Skidmore and the, the surrounding areas were going through every time Ken would uh, commit one of his crimes that he was accused of. So this guy was what, like, mentally ill? I Supposedly, assume? he uh, had an accident where he fell out of, um, when he was younger, around, I think, uh, 9 or 10 or 11. Um, he fell off the tractor at his uh, parents' farm and uh, hit his head. He had to have a steel plate placed into his head at the time. Okay. So they figured that was one of the, some people figured that was one of the reasons why he uh, acted the way he acted. Also, the fact that he was able to get away with a lot of stuff. He grew a, more, a lot more bold and uh, cocky because he was getting away with a lot of things. I mean, 21 times. Yeah, I mean, yeah, charged 21 times and none of them ended up sticking. That's, okay. Doesn't speak very highly of the justice system in this town, but... Yeah, uh, I mean, it is a small town. I mean, if you look at Skidmore, um, I think that's what the population of the 2010 uh, census was 284 people. <laughs> what? Yeah. Okay. It okay. used to be a town of 400 plus people in the 80s, and then this crime had happened, and um, okay, people started leaving. Uh, yeah, it's uh, 2010 census was 284 people, 122 households, 81 families living in the town. Uh, there was 172 housing units, an average density of uh, 521.2 square miles. The racial makeup of the town was 99.3% white, 0.4% uh, Native American, and 0.4% of two other races. Alright, I'm going to have to look this place up, Skidmore. Yeah, it's uh, northwest Missouri. Oh, Lord. It's so tiny. Yeah. Yeah. It's like eight streets, dude. Yeah. It's a real small town. Like the 1980 census it had, it was 437 people. 1990 census, it was 404 people. 2000 census dropped down to 342 people. And then the last census was 284. We haven't taken the 2020 census uh, yet. Still being filled out. And that goes out also. If you haven't filled out your census forms, Fill them out. Your representative, your represent, your uh, your representation counts, no matter who you are. So when you Google this place, there's only one photo, and yeah, it's a photo. I assume the plaque of this guy, right, or something. Uh, no, just a plaque. It's a what you're looking at is the uh, some sort of memorial or something. I don't. I think it's the town park. Oh, in honor of all wars. Yeah. Yeah, they don't have any memorials to this guy. <laughs> they try to forget this guy ever uh, existed. Existed? Yeah. The only bar in town is called Backwoods Bar and Grill. Yeah, yeah. At the, it's the only bar. It used to be another bar. Uh, the D&G. I think that's the same bar. 
But the DG Tavern is where this thing took place at. Who's the poor Google driver who had to drive around these streets? <laughs> I don't know, but I feel real sorry. Image captured in 2013? Yeah. 2013 was the last time Google drove through this area. Exactly. Seven years ago. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh my god, this is depressing. Alright, anyway, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. no. It's, it's this important is the... because this is how small this town is. It's a real, real small town. It is like and... a tiny, tiny town. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> These are the types of places you see, like, unfortunately, on the news for tornadoes. Mm hmm. After a tornado, it just like turns the town upside down. Yep. So. McElroy also fathered more than 10 children with different women. His last wife, Trina McLeod, met McElroy when she was 12 years old and in the 8th grade. McElroy raped McLeod repeatedly, also burning her house down and shooting the family dog before her parents relented and agreed to allow them to get married. He was charged, going to be charged with statutory rape. And child molestation. And he figured that the only reason he could get out of it is by marrying her. And her parents were like, no, get the hell out of here. So he terrorized her parents, burned down their house, shot their dog. Oh, my God. And finally, like, okay, you marry <laughs> Burned down their house? He burned down her house. What? Okay. And... The kicker was, she became pregnant at 14, had to drop out of high high school at ninth grade, and went to live with McAvoy and his third wife, Alice. Wow, okay. He had been married three times. He was still married to his wife, Alice, when he proposed, well, he raped and then proposed to Trina. So he was married to all three women at the same time? No, the first two left him. Okay. Um, he was still married to his third wife, Alice. He then divorced Alice and married Trina or to escape the charges of statutory rape. I see. Okay. Which she was the only witness. Then 16 days after that, she, Trina gave birth and both she and Alice fled to Trina's mother's and stepfather's house. Then he... Tracked him down, McElroy tracked him down and brought him back. He returned, he did return to Trina's parents' house, went away, and then he shot the dog and burned that house. Ridiculous. All right. So, then McElroy was indicted in June 1973 for arson, assault, and statutory rape. He was arrested, booked, and arranged, and released on a 200, no, 2,500, $2,500 bail. Trina and her baby were placed in foster care at a home in Maryville, Missouri. McElroy sat outside the foster home for hours at a time, staring at it. He told the foster family that he would trade girl for girl to get his child back, since he knew where the foster family's biological daughter went to school and what bus route she took. Okay. Additional charges were then filed against McElroy. In 1976, July, Skidmore resident... Rosemary Harry said McAvoy shot him twice with a shotgun after Henry challenged him for shooting weapons on his property. 
McElroy is arrested for assault and attempt to kill. Henry luckily survived. Mr. Henry luckily survived. He got shot two times with a shotgun in the stomach. But he survived. What was the dispute over? He just told him to get off his land? McElroy was on his land shooting weapons. And Henry came, Mr. Henry came out. It was like, can you stop shooting weapons on my property? McElroy was like, well, F you, blah, blah, blah. They started getting into an argument. And then finally McElroy shot Henry twice. McElroy denied he was on the scene. Nick, look at this car. Look at this truck. Yep. Lord. <laughs> Lord. <laughs> That's small town America. <laughs> okay, so he shot the guy, but the guy survived. Yeah, the guy survived. They charged him with assault with the intention to kill. And uh, the case dragged on without a court date. Here we say McElroy parked outside of his home at least a hundred times. Say that again? He parked outside Mr. Henry's home a hundred times. Okay. First of all, is there even police in this town? Yes, there's police. There's police there, but they can't do anything because they're fucking timid. No, I wasn't like joking. I mean, like, is there police? Because. Yeah, I'm not joking. Places like this usually have like state police looking over it because they're almost like there there's a town there was a, I think there's still a town Skidmore Town Police but yes there was Skidmore Town Police then mm-hmm. they were a combination of intimidated mm-hmm. by him and the fact that his lawyer kept getting him off of shit so they didn't want to waste their time it was more than not waste their time it was uh, just we can't nail this guy Fucking Don Teflon over here. Exactly. Teflon Don. Exactly. Yeah, he's fucking Teflon. His lawyer keeps getting him out of shit. And the police are fucking partially intimidated. So, during the trial, two raccoon hunters testified they were with McAvoy, though, <laughs> the day of the shooting. <laughs> what is the, um, okay, so. <laughs> Sorry. Two raccoon hunters. Yes. Um, so he's put on trial for shooting this guy in the stomach. Yeah. The guy survived. The guy survived. Okay. And how, like, was there a long period of time between the incident yeah. and the trial? Yes, it was a very long period of time because it kept getting delayed and delayed and delayed. Okay, okay. Because that's how good McElroy's lawyer was. So at the trial, two raccoon hunters testified they were with McElroy the day of the shooting away from Henry's property. Henry was forced to admit in court under questioning that by McElroy's attorney, Richard McFadden, that he had concealed his own petty criminal conviction for more than 30 years prior. Which makes no... Say that one more time. He had... He concealed... Henry concealed... Mr. Henry concealed his own petty criminal conviction for more than 30 years prior. Okay, so he had... A criminal background too? Yeah, he had a criminal background for like 30 years ago. He had not committed anything since then. Okay. So, because of that, McElroy was acquitted. I'm shooting a guy twice with a shotgun in a stomach. I mean, it's not like he wasn't pleading self-defense or anything, right? No, he was saying that he was nowhere near there. So, he was saying that Mr. Henry shot himself <laughs> in the stomach twice. What a shotgun. <laughs> normal? Okay. Yeah, very normal. Yeah, yeah, very fucking normal. 
So you're seeing a pattern here. Okay, so he got let go again. They let go. Okay. He's still doing other criminal shit. He's still raping his wives. All this shit. Well, let's fast forward to 1980. One of McElroy's children got into an argument with a clerk, Evelyn Subby, at a local f- grocery store owned by 70-year-old Ernest Bo Bolton-Camp and his wife, Lois. Allegedly because one of the McElroy children tried to steal some candy. Okay. McElroy. So Trina was with them too. So she also tried to stick up for her kids. And um, it was going absolutely nowhere. So she was like, I'm going to tell Ken. Then Ken gets told. He begins stalking the Bowden Camp family and eventually threatened Bo Bowden Camp in the back of the store with a shotgun in his hand. Bowden Camp was not having that shit. So in his three confrontation, Ken McElroy shot Bowden Camp in the neck with a shotgun. <laughs> but Bowden Camp survived. This is all over the kid trying to steal some candy? Exactly. Because from everyone in the town's point of view, Kid McRoy did not want anyone saying anything to his wives and his kids about anything. We can do anything we want, and you better shut up about it. Good God. Bone Camp is like, no. Your kids are trying to fucking steal. This guy looks like kind of a piece of shit. Yeah, he, he, he looks like a piece of shit. And he is, he, he is a piece of shit. He won't was. He's no longer with us. Okay. All right, so he goes and shoots this guy in the neck, and the guy survives. The guy survives. McElroy's arrested. Charged with attempted murder. And what's thinking? We're finally going to get this guy. We're finally going to get this guy. And during the trial, they have the trial, present the evidence, McElroy's convicted. Of assault, but freed on bail pending his appeal. Wow. Freed on bail pending his appeal. How is he not a threat to like society? Because of his lawyer is constantly, constantly, this is one of the best damn lawyers I've ever heard of in my life. Since fucking OJ. Since fucking goddamn Cochran and Bailey and all that shit. This is one of the best. Man, he's better. He's better than uh, Cochran and and, 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 uh, OJ's dream team. Because this guy got arrested 21 Times. I almost want to think that, like, the lawyer and the the county judge or the, I don't know. I, I feel like they were in cahoots or maybe there was some corruption going on there. It was... 21 times. It was... The, the person who was... The, the guy who was a prosecutor, um, even though he was a new guy, he was new young, one of his first cases, and he ended up getting this conviction, people had said that he was still lax. That the fact that, oh, this guy is going on uh, appeal, he's given bail. You allowed him to get bail yeah. for, his, uh, for his appeal instead of pushing, no, no, you're staying in jail. You can appeal, but you're staying in jail. 
which probably would have saved his life. But the the prosecutor was during the trial. He pushed uh, pushed this evidence. He was relentless. He got the conviction, but he was lax on the fact that he was be given bail while he appealed. That was his problem. That's what people said was the problem with the whole trial. So, Kid McElroy is on appeal, released on appeal. Immediately after being released, McElroy went to the D&G Tavern, the local bar, the local bar that was in Skidmore. Mm-hmm. With the M1 Grenade with a bayonet attached, it made graphic threats that he would, what he would do to Bo Bone Camp. In the middle of the bar, drinking Violating the terms of his bail. This man's complete lawlessness. This motherfucker is just, I don't give a fuck. He's taking, I don't give a fuck to a new level, a brand new level. You went in there with a bayonet? M1 Grenade loaded with a bayonet attached. Fantastic. Up and, he wants to get close and and personal. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. So he went there to threat. He just threatened. He was saying what he's going to do to Bo Bone Camp, what he's going to do to his business. He's going to burn down his house, going to burn down his business. He's going to kill Bo Bone Camp. And he's like, and no one's going to touch me. Wow. Okay. This led to several of the patrons in the bar deciding to see what they could do legally to prevent McElroy from harming anyone else. So they end up contacting the Nottaway County Sheriff, Dan Essels, suggesting they form some sort of neighborhood watch. So, in that time, McElroy's appeal is again being delayed. On the morning of July 10th, 1981, the townspeople met at the Legion Hall in the center of town with Sheriff Essie to discuss how they protect themselves in the town. This day is also important because that was supposed to be McElroy's appeal hearing, but his lawyer got it pushed off again. But everyone thought that he was going to go into going to go to the appeal hearing and people would or some people had already anonymously had said what he had done in this bar and one of the things that he took it loaded in one grenade mm-hmm. with a bayonet attached and threatened Bo Bone Camp. They told Bo Bone Camp too. He said told him back to the judge. But again his lawyer got it delayed. Kid McElroy's lawyer got the hearing delayed. So they thinking that McElroy is in the hearing. But he's not in the hearing. McElroy, during the meeting, McElroy arrived at the D&G Tavern again with Trina. As he sat drinking at the bar, he got word back, word got back to the men in the Legion Hall that he was in town. Sheriff Estes instructed the assembled group not to get into direct confrontation with McRoy, but instead seriously consider forming a neighborhood watch program. Then Estes got his police cruiser and drove out of town. <laughs> oh wow. <laughs> he was like, all right, guys, we're going to need you to form a neighborhood watch, everyone. All right? All right. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Did the sheriff just leave? <laughs> Sixty people in this meeting, for what was told. So the sheriff leaves, and Kim McRoy and Trina get drunk at the D&G Tavern. 
He's getting fucking hammered. The citizens in the meeting decide that's it. We can't protect ourselves. We can't protect this town. This dude is going to do whatever the fuck he wants. He's probably going to kill somebody. So a bunch of them are like, fuck this shit. We're going to the tavern. So this they, is like during the day? This is during the day. Which makes you thinking, what motherfucker would drink during the day? Unless there's like a European soccer game on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, this dude, you know, with all this trouble looming in the back, he's just out there in the middle of town drinking mm-hmm. in the middle of the day. Making threats, okay. So... <sighs> A bunch of them go to the tavern. A handful of them walk in. They see McElroy just sitting there at the tavern. Him and, him and his uh, wife, girlfriend, rape victim, Trina. He doesn't pay him any mind. Mind you, he still has his shotgun with him. Mm-hmm. And they're just staring at him. So finally, McElroy gets up. He purchased a six-pack of beer. After the bar starts getting filled up. He finishes drinks. He purchases a six-pack of beer. Leaves the bar and enters his pickup truck. Everyone follow, that's in the bar follows him out. So there's a crowd about... Some people say it's 60. Some people say it's 39 to 46 people that just surround his pickup truck. Okay. So, he gets in his car, Trina gets, well, gets in the truck, he won't get in the truck, and then someone shot at McElroy while he was sitting in his truck. He was shot several times and hit twice. Once by a center fire rifle and once by a uh, 22 rim fire rifle. In all, there was 46 witnesses to the shooting, including Trina McAvoy, who was in the truck with her husband when she was shot. When he was shot. No one called for the ambulance. Only Trina claimed to identify the gunman. Every other witness was unable to name an assailant or claimed not been been the one who seen the the fatal shot. I see. So he gets in the truck. So, wait, multiple yeah. people shot this guy at the same time? Um, they're saying what the rumor is, is saying that three people shot at this okay. guy. Okay. Because it was two rifles. They cut, they cut two rifle casings and two different rifle uh, at the scene. But it was 46 people supposedly standing outside. Could have been more. Could be a couple less. Mm-hmm. But all of them said, I didn't see anything. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see something, Bill? No, I didn't see anything. Hey, Paul! What? Did you see something? I didn't see shit, man. <laughs> Nick, you see anything? I was staring at my watch. <laughs> oh, girl, you see something? He's blind. <laughs> He's blind. Yeah. He's Lied. Nope. <laughs> like, it's a goddamn thing. <laughs> so I assume the 
Were, were there any cops in this uh, group of 46 people? No! The cops weren't there. The sheriff had got in his car and yeah. left. <laughs> <laughs> he, he was just whistling down the highway like <laughs> Sheriff, there's been a shooting in town. Really? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it almost makes it seem like uh, he left town because he knew something was about to happen. Pretty much, that's a conspiracy theory that people think was like, hey, we're gonna get this motherfucker. The sheriff was like, I cannot be a part of this, and I have to strongly suggest as an officer of the law, that you not commit this shit. Yeah, right. But if but, you, but I'm leaving, right? <laughs> I got a sandwich in the oven. <laughs> yeah, I got this other thing in the next town over. Yeah, so I'm going to go <laughs> get I'm that. I'm going to do that other thing yeah. in the next town over. So he's like, I'm just going to go. Here's gloves. Here's gloves. Yeah. <laughs> How long does it take to, to kill someone and get rid yeah, of the yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to that county and masturbate. I'll see you later. <laughs> Jeez. Okay, so I mean, the, the, everything was set up for this guy to... Pretty much, they, they, at that meeting, I think what had happened, everyone was sick of it. They couldn't figure out what the hell to do. They felt all felt scared. They were like, we're sick of this shit. We're like, if the law's not going to protect us, we got to protect us. Right. Right. So they went across and they found out that that son of a bitch was across the street and they were like, fuck this shit. Let's deal with this now. The cops can't protect them. The Mm -hmm. law can't protect them. Yeah. Yeah. Courts can't protect them. Nothing. Nothing. Got it. Yeah. So. I mean, when you're left with no other option. Yeah. You know, vigilante justice. Obviously, it's immoral. Yeah. But. Sometimes it's necessary. What do you do? Anyways, go on. Go on. I, don't, I don't want to get too far ahead. So he was yeah, shot. He was shot. He was killed. He died right he there. He died right there. And again, no one said a damn word. And no one no one called the ambulance. No, no one, one called the ambulance. Trina had his wife. They got her out of the pickup truck, put her behind another car across the street. She's hysterical. She runs to go call ambulance and call the police. Ambulance finally comes, pronounce him dead on the scene. Cops are like, uh, yeah, um, you want to see what happened? Nope. Nope. Mm-mm. No, I didn't hear a damn thing. Oh my God, there's a guy dead here. What the fuck? <laughs> How did this happen? <laughs> I must have killed himself. All right, sprinkle some crack on him. Let's get the fuck out of here. <laughs> I mean, what do you do when no one is talking? When no one is talking? No. <sighs> You know? There's nothing really you can do if you're an officer or a detective. There's nothing you can do. I mean, obviously, they have to try to solve the crime in their own way, but this is, what, 1981? Yeah. You know? is uh, Did they? Did they try to solve it? They tried to solve it, but literally no one was talking, and they couldn't find the murder weapons. And the only person who claimed to see something was Trina and she named who she saw. Uh-huh. Which, this is the only name that keeps coming up mm-hmm. when in terms of possible subject, suspects of who committed this is a name Dale Clement, who was the owner of the D&G Tavern. Oh, uh, okay. And he supposedly owned a 22. 
people described him as being kind of dark and a little depressed and shit. And um, supposedly he was angry at the fact that McElroy kept coming to his bar, that's, scaring everyone off. That's literally what I was going to say. Yeah. If the guy's intent is to get he, rid of this guy because he's hurting business. Yeah, because he's frequently at the bar. That's like the only bar in town. And this guy's scaring off everybody that they don't want to come there. Even when he's not there, people are scared like he's going to walk in the door. So supposedly that was... He was like one of the people who was just like, fuck it. Let's get rid of this guy. I mean, he sounds like a reasonable suspect. Yeah. Because of his alibi. Yeah. I mean, he was at, at the bar. I don't know if he was at the meeting. He might have been at the meeting. But if he wasn't, people were like, this motherfucker right here. Is yeah, I mean, right. It clearly, like, I did. We'll deal with it. Yes. Clearly, so. the entire town benefited from this guy, you know, getting put down. But, like, yeah. the bar owner, sure, mm-hmm. it's his livelihood. And yeah. if he's scaring away customers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess my question is though, like, if people are getting scared away from the bar, what's the alternative? It's the only bar. In town. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I'll take my business elsewhere. Yeah, where? 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 <laughs> I'll just sit this field and. <laughs> Kids, dad's going to Des Moines. Yeah. I'm heading to St. Louis. <laughs> All right, bring me back a snow cone. <laughs> so, the bar owner is the suspect. The bar the owner is the only name that comes up. And now there would then be another shooter, but no other, no one's talking, so they don't know who the hell it was. So, his wife Trina, you said she's the one that identified him. That's she was the only, yeah, she was the only one that identified him, saying it was Dale Clutter, uh-huh. and supposed rumors running around like, yeah, it was him. But you said there were multiple guns involved. There were multiple guns. No one else is saying anything that was there. It's saying who the other gunmen were, or the only two gunmen were. Mm-hmm. No one's saying a damn word. So. Okay. Yeah. So, McElroy was ended up being buried in St. Joseph, Missouri in 1984. Uh, Trina McElroy found a $5 million dollar wrongful death lawsuit against the town of Skidmore, the county of Nottoway, Sheriff Danny Estes, Steve Peters, who was the mayor of Skidmore at the time, and Del Clement. The case was settled out of court by all parties for a sum of $17,600. With no one admitting guilt for the state reason of avoiding costly legal fees should the suit proceed. And before she filed a lawsuit, there, there was media coverage of the wazoo. I was going to say, how did the story not get bigger? It was bigger. It was huge. Okay. 60 Minutes was there. Rolling Stone was there. Um, international newspapers from Germany, England, Japan, China, Soviet Union, Brazil, you name it. Everyone had swarmed this town. And people were kind of getting sick of it. They were getting really sick of it. Like, who the fuck... Like, a lot of people are like, who the fuck cares? This guy fucking terrorized our asses. Fuck him. So, question, though. Yeah. The 
burial was in 1984? In no, no, the burial was a week after he was shot. Okay, okay. Yeah, okay. Not, At least not, in 1984. No, in 1984, she filed the $5 million wrongful death. Ah, uh, got it, got it, got it. Got it. Okay. So he was so, killed in 81, and three years later she filed, filed the lawsuit. Because there was no names coming up. There was nothing. And, uh, like, one, there was a documentary that came out a couple of years ago called No One Saw the Thing. And yeah, I was looking at that. Yeah. The, um, one of the residents who was, was still alive today had said they should have killed Trina, too, because she became a fucking nuisance. It was like, no one gave a damn about McElroy except for his family. This guy terrorized us. He almost killed... And who knows if he had some sort of like, uh, yeah. you know, some power over the family, maybe with, yeah. maybe with threats of violence or something. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. like yeah, because they they talked to some of yeah. Kim Mac during the documentary. He talked to some of Ken McElroy's kids, and they tell a totally different story than what the the facts are. Which you understandable. They got to stand up for their father. What did they say? They were like, he was a sweet guy. He treated us. He treated. He he loved us. And when he died, it just feels like the town took something from us. Mm-hmm. Like I'll never forget. Like one of one of one of his sons who ended up like doing a life of crime of, of his own, and uh, getting arrested, going to jail for a few years, and kind of reformed himself a little bit. And works with uh, people who recently re- released from prison. And he's like, the, the town took something from us. I'll never forgive that town. From what they took to our father, for my family, I was like, well, "What? What? Like, I gotta understand that you want to stand up for your father. That this is your father. I totally understand that you loved your father. But the facts of the of this thing is, this, your father terrorized these people in this town, yeah. and no one would have done anything about it. If your father had been arrested and sent to prison, your father would have been alive. I don't think maybe today." Or back when the documentary was made, but he would have spent, he would have been around to talk to you to tell you that this was wrong. He terrorized this town, and no one did anything about it. He pushed this town to the point where they had to take the law into their own hands. He shot a guy, a seventy-year-old man, in the face yeah. because one of your siblings was stealing from them, and he told him, try to. Say, day, don't take my shit, but also teach you a lesson. You can't take these people's things without permission or paying for them. And your, your father comes in going, I'm going to shoot your ass in the face. Your father didn't teach you anything. That's why you landed in prison. Right. As an adult, you should see that. Yeah. You know? Maybe as a kid, you feel like the town did you wrong. Mm-hmm. But as an adult, you should understand the justification your father damn near killed people. He stole from people. He molested your mother, raped your mother. I don't. I'm not sure which kid. Which which. Uh, I think he's. This kid is Alice's kid. But he probably raped her too, because she was underage when he met her too. Raped your mother. Did unspeakable things to pe- people in this town, mm-hmm. and this was a consequence. And apparently. Fathered fifteen other children. Uh, nine other children. They say they met ten children. Okay, I'm just looking at a different, different yeah. article here. Yeah, he had ten children, including including to a child bride. He was accused of raping and fathered fifteen. Children. Yeah, Trina. Yeah. Well, he might have had fifteen kids, but it was a 
put it officially at 10 kids. I mean, regardless. Yeah. You know, if you're having kids through sexual abuse and, and rape, mm-hmm. yeah. And, okay, so the kid came out and said that Tom took something from to, us. To, to, to something from the us. Fam- the family was the only people who cared about this guy. Yeah, um, everyone else was like, fuck this guy. Filed a lawsuit. They filed a lawsuit. Got 17000 instead of $3 million. Yeah, $5 million. $5 million. Yeah. Slap in the face. Yep. Okay. Um, pretty much the kids went different ways, different places. Uh, Trina ended up getting remarried and moving to Lebanon, Missouri, uh, but she died of cancer on her 55th birthday. <laughs> Can you imagine if she just got up and moved to Lebanon? Yeah. <laughs> like, where are you like, living? Beirut. <laughs> it's like, I feel at home here. I yeah. feel at home. <laughs> yeah. She's yeah. so sick of Midwest America. She ends up going to the Middle East. <laughs> In the middle of Beirut. Mm-hmm. All right, so she moved away and died a few years later. Uh, yeah, she died in 2012. Um, he still has kids that's still living. Um, about that, um, pretty much told you 60 minutes and ran a story about it. 1982. Um, there was a 1988 book about the murder called In Broad Daylight, which is probably the most popular of the books. Mm-hmm. It was adapted to a TV movie in 1991, starring Brian Dennehy as McElroy and Chris Cooper, um, even though they changed the name of McElroy to a fictitious name of Lynn Rowan. Um, also, this case inspired one of the one of the best movies of the 80s hmm. Roadhouse <laughs> with Patrick Swayze <laughs> interesting I did not know that <laughs> inspired how Inspi- the case is like this guy terrorizing the, the, this town and no one able to do anything about it it's kind of the plot of Roadhouse is like instead of Kim McElroy being this just, just working class Bully, uh, Roadhouse. They change it to uh, this this uh, local magnet, rich magnet, terrorizing mm-hmm. this town mm-hmm. and trying to close this one bar. And they call Patrick Swayze in to do some dirty dancing <laughs> <laughs> to save this town. <laughs> Roadhouse. <laughs> Roadhouse. Roadhouse. (laughs) Ghost. (laughs) Okay, that's interesting. Yes, and um, also because of this, this is what people know, especially the true crime community, knows the town Skidmore from. But also some people kind of think the town is kind of cursed after this. I mean, there's been some, like, I told you, there's like, 284 people in this town mm-hmm. and like during the 90s it was 384 they have a high really high crime rate and during this town like what had happened afterwards in the years afterwards there was some things uh, th- that crimes that had happened in this town and people were just going this town cursed because we killed this bully um, like check this out October 16 2000 
Greg N. Drago beat and dragged his girlfriend, Wendy Gilwater, down several county roads outside of Skidmore, causing her to die. Several county roads? Yes. Yeah. Jesus, okay. Gilwater's body was later found outside her Skidmore home. Drago was charged with murder and given a life sentence by a Norway County judge. Oh, so they knew not how to prosecute people. Yeah, yeah, they finally figured it out. Okay. It took 2,000, two, 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 two but um, he was given a life sentence. He's currently incarcerated at Western Missouri Correctional Center in Cameron. On the afternoon of April 11th, 2001, 20-year-old Skidmore resident Brock Bronson Perry disappeared after exiting his father's home to return a pair of jumper cables to his shed in the yard. No one's been charged with a crime in relation to his disappearance. One suspect, Felton resident Jack Wayne Rogers, now in prison for unrelated crimes, had initially bragged of murdering Branson, but later denied knowing him. Branson had also been accused of being a meth dealer. If you go missing in a town of 450 people, you're, you're dead. Yeah. Pretty much. You've been murdered. Mm-hmm. Or some terrible accident happened. Yep. Um, in 2004, the town of Skidmore was a focus of national attention again when Bobby Joe Skid Sinnett, a, nati- a relative of Branson Perry, consequently, was murdered and had her unborn baby cut from her womb. The baby, Victoria, Victoria Joe Sinnett, was found alive two days later in Topeka, Kansas, with... Bobby Joe's killer, Lisa McGovery, who received a federal death sentence and is still on death row. What? Yeah. Oh, oh man. God, that's... I totally forgot about this. Like, I heard a little bit about it, but um, I totally remembered it when I when I heard of this, when I was re- doing some research on, on this case. Um, yeah, Bobby Joe's sitting it. Uh, was a 23-year-old pregnant woman found murdered in her home in Skidmore, Missouri. And someone cut the baby out of her? Yeah, Lisa Montgomery had been convicted of strangling Sinnett from behind and then removing the baby's woman's unborn child eight months in gestation from her womb. And then heading back to Topeka, Kansas and saying that, ooh, I had a baby. She supposedly told her husband months earlier that she had been pregnant, but she really wasn't. And she came obsessed with Bobby Joe when found out that she was pregnant. And I guess they were together because... uh, um, they were part of like dog grooming uh-huh. and dog uh, breeding, um, com- uh, like like kind of a business. Bobby Joe was doing dog breeding, and uh, one of the people who was constantly in contact about dog breeding and dog grooming was uh, Lisa Montgomery, and she found out that she was pregnant, so she proceeded to cyber stalk her, and then finally when. Uh, Lisa had called Bobby Joe about some dogs, so she ended up going over to Skidmore, strangling Bobby Joe and cutting the baby out and saying that this baby is mine. Lisa Montgomery couldn't have children. Also. Okay. That so, is yeah. a fucked up story. Yeah. God, yeah. poor baby, too. What? Yeah, the, the baby ended up surviving. Um, but, yeah, this... Lord, and this happened in 2004, you said? Yeah, 2004. Wow. Yeah, and uh, she's still on death row. That's that's pretty fucked up, man. Yeah. A lot of crime for such a small town. 
Yeah. Uh, but it's is that any more than any other town? I mean, a little bit. I mean, from the how many people live there, but we haven't heard anything mm-hmm. as egregious as this Bobby Joe case or McElroy since then. I mean, they're not. Yeah, but like, I guess crime happens everywhere, but the nature of the crime, you know, obviously matters too. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, may- maybe not. Yeah, we're just focusing on. Yeah, this is some of the worst. Of, yeah, yeah, the couple, worst of the worst. Exactly. And um, for such a small town, so. Okay, so what happened after the um, documentary documentary was released a few years ago? Did, did they try to open the case back up? No, I mean, um, the only person they think keeps coming up, Dale Clement, is dead. The bar owner? Yeah, the bar owner is dead. Mm-hmm. And um, a lot of people who were witnesses at that time and are also passed on also. Mm-hmm. So there's no point of re- rehashing this case. And like even then, the people who survived didn't have nice things to say about Kim Rackroy <laughs> outside his family. So... It's kind of why reopen this? Like you're not gonna get anywhere. No one is asking for justice besides no other than family. his family. Yeah. yeah, other than his family. In the main advocate, uh, Trina had passed away. So. And possibly the the killer is also dead. So. Yeah. So why it's kind of why yeah. waste money on it? Is what they're thinking. Of. Exactly. Because usually when these types of like documentaries or docudramas or whatever come out it like reopened you know it gets people excited on talking about the case again yeah and it gets relitigated yeah but this is a case where I think the vast majority of people even though this is street justice this is vigilante justice people go the fucker got what he deserved move on He's not terrorizing people anymore. Yeah, I mean, dude, again, going back to what I was saying earlier, if no one helps, if the cops won't help, and, you know, there is no stopping this guy, then what do you do? Exactly. You know, not trying to advocate for vigilante justice, but what do you do? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Nothing. There's nothing you can do. If if you feel like your family's in danger, you know, Mm I mean, yes, it's an extrajudicial killing, but it's not like they just didn't like the guy and then they murdered him. No, right. it was like violent to people in town. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they weren't getting help from anybody. Yeah, no one was helping him. No one was doing anything. You were over here being afraid of a lawyer instead of going out and doing your job. But <laughs> you bringing this up is you had all this all these things that this guy had done but yet you have cops out here pulling people over for nothing and shooting people for absolutely nothing right you know this this is the preponderance of when we say we want justice we want justice you have clearly I mean mind you this is 1981 this is a small town Um, they have their own county police or whatever but you have this guy going around I'm not even going to name the crimes he did because they're so fucking long. Doing all this fucking terrible shit and you can't even get one... You barely get one conviction on him 
and then you get a conviction on him, you, you allow him just to walk out the the door and continue to do the same shit as he wants it. And people like get charged with fucking marijuana or whatever, uh, or you charge them with something and they're telling you you're, they're innocent, or even if they're guilty, they can't get out of fucking prison. Yeah, shit. because they're they don't have anybody. And came back and yeah, he had some money, but he stole it. <laughs> it takes a lot for a town to commit a murder and then cover up for it. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? It's yeah. not something that just happens willy-nilly. Like, you have years and years and years of this, guy's abusing, this guy abusing people in town, mm-hmm. terrorizing people. Yeah. You know? Yeah, people get sick of it. Couldn't take it no more. Right, it's not like an it's an entire town of murderers and, and psychos. No, they're yeah. just normal town folk. Yeah, who just needed relief from this, you know, monster. Exactly. So I get it. I understand. I've yeah. never heard of a case like this before. Yeah, it's yeah, crazy. I heard of this case because I was this thing happened. I was just a couple of months old. <laughs> so I really didn't know about this case. I heard about it and I was like, man, I was like, what, what, like, what, I want to get the psych, the psychiatry, it's like, I want to get a psyche of people that been terrorized that bad and just go, we can't take this still more. Let's, let's get rid of this problem. And the problem happened to be a person. I mean, there, there's other there's other cases like the case in New York, which names escaping me, of uh, this young woman was being raped and killed on the street, and no one said anything. People were witnesses, no one said anything because no one wanted to get involved in it because they lived in a high crime neighborhood. But the whole town coming together, like this person's terrorizing us. Let's take care of it. Yeah, I mean that's different, right? Yeah. The snitches get stitches thing. People don't yeah. usually confess to, or confess. People don't usually come forward as eyewitnesses because they're afraid of retaliation. Li- retaliation by the by the criminal. Yeah. This is different. The town is sort of protecting itself. So, yeah. You know, the town the town has decided that the tribe is more important than one individual. Yeah. And, you know, you look at a town like this too. It, like it almost feels like it. It, I mean, it, would, it would almost feel like a tribe. There's nothing else around it. Yeah. They don't have any stores. There's no Walmart. There's no McDonald's. There's no stuff that we take advantage of right. living in a big city. They're just sort of depending it's, on each other. Yeah. You know? And this town is dwindling and dwindling and dwindling. I think in 20 years, there might not be anyone left in that town. Shit. Let me pull this map up again. Yeah. How long would it take for an ambulance to even get out to... I don't know. You have to look at scene, what the nearest know? town is and where the where the hospital is. So possibly a long, long ways. I'm quite curious now. What's the zip code here? Uh, I got it, I got it. Yeah. 64487. Yeah. Hospital. 64487. What's the nearest hospital? I don't know. I, I lost Skidmore. 
I lost Skidmore. I lost it. <laughs> it's gone. It's iron. <laughs> Do they have to share a zip code with another town? Quitman? Missouri? That little block's gotta be Skidmore. Is that, is that Skidmore? Which little block? That green one, or is that? No, that that's a. Uh, Forest Reserve or something? Forest Reserve. Okay. Not walking. Okay, I'm just gonna put Skidmore. It's Missouri, right? Yeah, Skidmore, Missouri. Okay. 20, 25, 26. 24. Jesus Christ! So if you collapse of a heart attack, the closest hospital is 22 miles away? It's 30 minutes away. Jesus fucking Christ! Yeah. I mean, I almost would wonder, like, would a hospital like that have a helicopter to get out to places like this? Probably. Because, like, 30 minutes is... Probably not. Dude, in a life and death situation, 30 minutes? Yeah. That's insane. And where would you land if they had a helicopter? <laughs> I mean... This is... On top of the DG Tavern. <laughs> right, you got nothing. You got nothing <laughs> oh, yeah, look, there is a helipad. Oh, there is a helipad? Oh, yeah. okay, they have a helipad. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Because, come on, man, 30 minutes to the nearest town? 30 minutes? Yeah. Minutes mean life and death yeah. in a situation like that. Jeez. Crazy. Yep. So, yeah, I get it. <laughs> Yo. Yoakum fertilizer. Good God. God is, what do people do? Sorry if anyone out there is listening. Yeah, small. Yeah. I don't understand how you guys. Yeah, do us city folk, we don't, we don't, we don't get it. I know. It's just we, we don't get it. I mean, it's kind of sad. It's kind of sad at the same time, but like you probably don't get how you can live in a big city. It's like there's people. There's <laughs> Korean I mean, fried like, chicken. <laughs> nothing. Yeah, I don't, I don't. I mean, yeah. I guess I would. Um, it'd be nice to see the stars at night. But yeah, yeah. That would but, get kind of boring pretty soon. Yeah, just be like, yo, I, I, I need some nightclub life or something. <laughs> I need some late night uh, pizza slices or something. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, that's just look. That's the entire town of Skidmore. Jesus. Satellite. Was it eight streets, four streets? Yeah. You got a well, at least you got a post office, you got a church, and you got a good time, Charlie. It's good time, Charlie. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think that, that that's the old D and G tavern. I, I could be wrong. That's crazy to me that uh um, Jeez. Oh, uh, good time Charlie's is close today, bro. Oh man. <laughs> What what is it? Is it a bar or is it a restaurant? I don't know. I just see some oh, it's fried, a restaurant. This is stuff. this is fried hush puppies. Hush puppies. Yeah, looks, looks like good. Hey, hey, good time. You're over out in Skidmore. <laughs> Stop at a good time, Charlie's. <laughs> oh man, it's closed today. We record on a Sunday, 
And it might be closed on Labor Day. <laughs> back open Tuesday. Yeah, back open Tuesday. Go get you some fried fish and some hush puppies. Those fries look good. Right there. <laughs> Alright, anyways. Yeah, but... Uh, yeah, that's... That's the story of Kim McElroy and Talon Skidmore. Yeah, that's the main that's the main street. This is the main drive. Yeah, that's the main drive. I don't know where the D and G I think that's the D old D and G. Right there. We're looking at a Google Maps right now. I think that's the what, old this building or this building? That building right there. The I could be one? wrong. Yeah. I could be wrong, but that might be the D D O D No, might not be. Or, or is it that? Go back out. Go back out. I'm, so, I'm sorry. <laughs> go back out. Fascinating. Yeah, um, but it's on that street, the old D&G. I still can't really even figure out where this restaurant is. Yeah. <laughs> Everything's boarded up. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, it used to be 400 people. Now it's 200 people. It might be less than that now. Because the last census was 2010. Depressing place. Yeah. Serious. Yeah. That depressing place. And there's a lot of abandoned homes there, too, outside of the uh, downtown area. I mean, yeah. Look, you want to see something funny? What? This, the 2013 image is so old yeah. from the street view yeah. that when you go back out to... Oh, that's Mitch, a good time, Charlie. There, yeah. Like, there's a restaurant there, but yeah. on the street view seven years ago, it's an abandoned building. Oh, my God. <laughs> The tanker outside. Yeah, <laughs> that's where they fry the fish. <laughs> right in his tanker. <laughs> that's where they raise the fish. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the fish farm. Oh man. All right, so talk about the uh, the stuff afterwards, then. That's what we were gonna get into, right? The... Well, the, I just did. It's pretty much like the the cases that happened afterwards. That was that was it. No, the paranormal, the paranormal stuff. What paranormal stuff? Didn't you say this place was haunted? No, no, I never said it was haunted. It's oh. abandoned. It's all right. <laughs> you said it was haunted. No, no, it's not haunted. Not haunted that we know of anything, but yeah, it's abandoned. Like um, the house where um, um, Bobby Joe Sidnitz was killed at is abandoned. I see, I see. Okay. So no one, no one lives there anymore. It's, it's yeah. Uh, a lot of homes, a lot of abandoned homes and stuff. Especially it was hit in the 2008 crisis too. So, yeah, that's that's town of Skidmore and the uh, case of Kid Be Rex McElroy. Yeah, it's a crazy story, man. Yeah, it is. It's one of the craziest stories uh, I've ever uh, came across. Uh, but there's been a lot of crazy stories on this show. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, that's that's a story. So, uh, yeah, well, cool. Thanks for coming on this episode. Thank you we'll for weird. having me. Yes, yes, we got to do this again, uh, hopefully soon, with another weird story. Because uh, our uh, anniversary next month will be our, I think, the three-year anniversary of Weekend Weird oh, be coming okay. up. So it'll Damn. be a lot of weird stories during the month of uh, October. Um, I don't. I can't guarantee you're going to do something special because every time I try to play something special, it never goes through. So, <laughs> uh, but maybe this year we might do something special. I don't know, but uh, we'll have some more stories here. At Weekend weird. Um, 
Yeah. Uh, also, even though this is weird, um, well, weird. Uh, you know, you know, uh, chat with uh, Bronson passed away. Yeah. Last week. That's, yeah. Um, that just sort of came out of nowhere. Yeah, it did. It it really did. I saw something online that said like, keep uh, keep your gang close mm-hmm. because. The guy's been sick for four years, and we haven't heard a peep from yeah. friends or family that he's been sick. Yeah. And Did he, you know? I had no No, idea. no. Absolutely not. Uh, like, like, that's, w- that's how you know the people around you yeah. respect you. Yeah. And he was doing filming Black Panther, uh, Infinity War, Endgame, and um, uh, The Five Bloods. Sick. And didn't tell anyone. Like, I saw him during the All-Star game. Cause all, the NBA All-Star game was in Chicago, and he looked very skinny. And I thought, well, he might have a role coming up he's going to play. He's going to play someone who's underweight, malnourished or something. Like Christian Bale. You don't think anything about it, because that's how good of an actor they are. Mm-hmm. And uh, came across it. He passed away. He had colon cancer. It was just... Unbelievable, and uh, yeah, it's sad. Yeah, it's really sad. I really enjoyed watching his films, not just the Marvel Cinematic movies, but it's turns James Brown and Get On Up, Jackie Robinson to Forty Two, uh, his other roles that he portrayed. Um, and did you know that uh, he was a uh, before he got into films? Um, he was a struggling play, playwrightist here in the city of Chicago. I thought he was from South Carolina. He's from South Carolina, but he came to Chicago to try to produce his plays. No, I have no idea. Yeah. Um, he lived in Chicago? He lived oh, in Chicago. Probably about a year or two trying to get plays produced here in the city on his plays. Um, I think he might have had a run-in with my late fiance Danielle, because she was a actress too. No shit. She might, yeah, probably don't know. But uh, yeah, it's sad, yeah, man. I, yeah, yeah, I, I yeah. I mean, uh, <laughs> remember when we watched Endgame? We went to the theater to watch Endgame, and uh, that part where everyone came back, he was the first one out, and I had never heard people cheering that loud, even in a sports arena. Mm-hmm. So, um, enjoyed his films. Hell of a guy. And we're going to miss him. So, dedicate this to him. Um, still, we're in a tough year. It's almost over. Um, but, still got a long ways to go. So, yeah. Keep, keep your loved ones close. Tell them you, you love them every day. Because you never know when it'll be the last time you see them. So, life is short and unfair, but I keep pushing on. So Just don't go terrorizing a town full of people. Exactly. <laughs> don't go terrorizing a town full of people. Let's just give love to a town full of people. Let's just, uh, which we're going to need a lot of because it's we're not near the end and it's about to get, it's about to get worse. Uh, 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, love everyone. If you can. And uh, try to do the right thing. So. Here, here. Yeah. Um, and if you see something wrong, don't be afraid to stand up against it. So, for myself, Red Nick, I'm Ghoul. Thank you for listening to this episode of Weekend Weird. We'll be back relatively soon with another episode. Um, but most importantly, stay weird. Because being weird is cool. So, talk to you soon. Have yourself a good one. Bye-bye.